If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Uh, I think we'll start from verse 33 or something like that. The words should appear magically behind me, but as I never turn around, I have no idea. This is Mark chapter 9, verse 33. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Uh, now, stick a finger in, uh, in there and then flip over to Romans chapter 12. We've looked at this before, but it's just so great. It's just like such a great chapter in the Bible filled with one important command after another about living the Christian life that I, I couldn't resist it. Uh, and this is from the NRSV, that, that version of the Bible. And this section is, is headed marks of the true Christian. This is starting in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honour. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. As we continue our series on the one another's, I want to focus on, on two that are contained in that, that passage that we've just looked at outdo one another in showing honor and live in harmony with one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's found in the second half of Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And if you've got a, a different translation, it's quite likely that you're looking at a different translation. And so you'll see that there are different ways of this being phrased. And here's just a list of some of the more common translations. The NRSV and the ESV put it as this, outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, the New King James Version says, puts it like this, in honor, giving preference to one another. Good old NIV, necessary in vineyard. Uh, honor one another above yourselves. And the NLT, the New Living Translation, take delight in honoring each other. And if we just take a moment to give some thought to the meaning of those phrases, um, like giving preference or honouring one another above and over yourselves, you kind of end up with a very similar picture. It's this idea of outdoing one another and showing honour. Now, it might kind of sound a little bit strange to think of outdoing, this idea of outdoing one another in something like showing honour, you know, as if we're competing with each other in how well, how fantastically I'm living out, you know, living out the, the biblical commands. But the idea, the, the, the idea of the Greek verb here is, is that of taking the lead in something, 
being, being out in front, being out front. And if we think of honor as showing appreciation and esteem, a pretty good paraphrase for this command is take the lead in showing appreciation and esteem. And so possibly a good question for us gathered here this morning is how good would we say we are at taking the lead in showing appreciation and esteem? How good are we? In the passage from Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 33 to 37, what did the disciples, what did the di disciples done? They'd been arguing with one another about which one of them was the greatest. Uh, it's pretty much the exact opposite of what Paul's trying to get us to do in Romans chapter 12. The disciples weren't doing a very good job in taking the lead in showing appreciation and esteem. Instead, they were trying to sort of attract attention to themselves. They're trying to kind of overinflate themselves and, and sort of try and position themselves and, and say how great they were, probably around things like, I don't know, how faithful they were or how many people they'd healed that day or how many people they'd led to Christ or how many demons they'd cast out, how many people they'd fed, you know, who was the best speaker and all those kind of things. And if that wasn't bad enough, if you look at your Bible at Mark chapter 9, what had Jesus done right before the disciples started arguing about who's the greatest? Have a look at Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 31. This is right before that bit where they'd been arguing on the road. This is his, Jesus says, he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to, betray, to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. So here's Jesus in verse 31 telling the disciples that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be killed, and their response is, let's use this as an opportunity in a moment to argue about which one of us is the greatest. Uh, and if that's not bad enough, it happens again. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 33, Jesus says to the disciples, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. And what happens next? Uh, James and John, two members of Jesus' like, innermost circle, ask to be seated at Jesus' right and left in, in kind of glory. Uh, it's fantastic. When you put it like that, it, you realize these fantastic disciples not massively high on the emotionally intelligence scale. There's no real empathy there. They're not really mindful of what's happening around them. There's no real compassion. It's just, uh, yeah, okay, so you're going to get you know, killed, but um, where am I going to be sitting in eternity? You know, twice Jesus tells his friends that he's going to be betrayed and killed, and both times the response of the 12 is to try and outmaneuver and outwrangle and outdo one another, not in serving one another, but in gaining or seeking honor for themselves. The exact opposite of everything that Jesus was doing, everything that Jesus is about in offering himself as a suffering servant, and the exact opposite of what Paul's trying to get us to do in Romans chapter 12. And if we take a moment to reflect on much of what passes as uh, human interaction, the conversations that we may have with one another, with people uh, in different contexts. 
we can very easily find ourselves in a daily competition to assert ourselves, to be, to be greater, to be better than someone else. And, you know, you can tell when it's happening. You know, you're in one of those conversations with someone, and, and pretty much all they're doing, they may not even be aware of it, they may not be conscious of it, but pretty much all they're doing is talking about themselves. You know, how they've just done this, or they've just done that. And, and the clue really comes uh, to you as you walk away from the conversation, and you ask yourself whether the person you've just been having a conversation with has asked you anything about you at all. You know, you think about it from school to social media to sports, so many other areas. We are trained, we're brought up to compete uh, with one another, to assert that we are better. If I cast my eye, just bumped into a pile of um, mock English literature GCSE papers over in the pile over there, and I had a sort of moment of shudder as I remembered. They weren't GCSEs then, they were um, O-levels. Mm. They were proper exams, you know. And, um, but anyway, before, before the, the, the trauma of public exams, at school, we, every year, the end of year, every year we did end of year school exams. Um, and not only did we get um, a percentage, and a grade, we also got ranked as to where we came in the class and where we came in the year. You know, it was sort of like 33 out of 33. <laughs> um, I always looked for that, you know, first or first equal, but that didn't ever happen. It was always a sort of traumatic moment, certainly for me. Um, but that was, that was how we were ranked. We were just ranked. And, you know, we grew, I grew up back in the dark ages, you know, when not everybody got a medal um, for just taking part. You know, it was only the person who won who got a medal. But, you know, you just look at social media. You just need to take the briefest look at social media. And it's endless self-promotion. Uh, it's just exhausting. These lives that everybody is leading that just look and seem to be so fantastic in this bid to kind of compete with one another and outdo one another in terms of, look how well I'm doing, look how great my life is. And it's not difficult to see that our culture is a long way from outdoing one another in showing honor. We're a long way from taking the lead in showing appreciation and esteem. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus and as the church, that's who we are supposed to be. If we want to be more like Jesus and less, slightly less like the disciples were before Christ's death and resurrection. If we want to be faithful and, and, and try and live how Paul is telling us to live here in uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, here are three, three things that I kind of could think of that might help us as we think about how we might take the lead in outdoing one another in showing appreciation and honor to one another. And the first is, and this is really, really fundamental and foundational, is first of all, we need to get our relationship with God right uh, so that we can better relate to uh, and, rate and interact with others. You know, we need to understand that we can't do 
all of the stuff that Paul is urging us to do. You know, it's what James was effectively saying. You've got all of these cracks and fissures and chasms in some of our cases in our lives. And no matter how much we try to fill them and patch them up and make it look nice and polished, we can't do that in and of ourselves. We can only do that in and through the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We can only do that by coming to the cross and surrendering ourselves and saying, oh, I can't do this. But because of you, I can. We need to, we need to look at what Paul is writing in Romans 12, verses 9 onwards, and realize that we can only do that or even begin to do that if we've done what he says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and that is, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy expressed through the cross, to offer your bodies as a sacrifice. In the same way that Jesus has offered himself as a sacrifice, we too are to offer ourselves as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Until we present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice and allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we won't be able to discern uh, or do God's will consistently in our lives. The real source of quality of relationship with one another has to come from a place of full surrender to Jesus that transforms our identity and our sense of self. And as you will all know, those of you who have been following Jesus for only more than five minutes, you will know that that is not a single moment in time thing. That is a daily moment by moment decision and choice that we make over the whole of our lives. If we want our interpersonal relationships to be better, we have to start with our relationship with God and understand who we are truly as children of God recognizing that I'm not actually competing or in competition with anybody else, recognizing that I don't need to put someone else down to feel better about myself. And, you know, if we've looked at in the past, uh, taking time regularly in things like silence and solitude, it can be really helpful with things like this because it helps us get away from the, the nonstop, the relentless noise which unless we're careful tends to make us um, a little bit more irritable, a little bit more tetchy, a bit more distracted, less peaceful, less content. So first of all, we need to get our relationship right with God to help us better relate to uh, and, and interact with others. Second thing I just want to encourage us all to do is let's seize opportunities. Let's seize opportunities to honor, affirm, and express appreciation to others. Let's get into the habit of being a people who don't miss an opportunity to show appreciation to others as and when those opportunities present themselves. The, um, the opposite of showing appreciation, I guess, is being, un is being ungrateful. And that's a character trait we don't really want in our lives. Uh, none of us wants to take people or their kindness or their service or their love or their generosity to us for granted. Because when we express 
appreciation, what we're doing is we're letting someone know how much he or she means to us and how genuinely grateful and thankful we are for what they did for us. And what I'm encouraging us all to do is let's seize, let's be proactive and seize opportunities like that, not only because it's the right thing to do, um, but these things are great, these are great gestures that go a long way in building really good and strong and healthy relationships. You know, how do we do it? Well, here's a thought. Make it your goal, your choice, your decision to honor every single person you have a conversation with during the course of the day. Radical. You know, even this morning, just take the lead. Be intentional in taking the lead in showing appreciation and esteem. This morning you've been maybe in the room for an hour, an hour and a half in your conversations so far. How many times have you shown appreciation and esteem for the people that you have spoken with and interacted with? You've still got another half an hour, 40 minutes to be here. How are you going to do that in the next half an hour and 40 minutes once I stop talking? We want to be a people who are generous, uh, a people who show appreciation and gratitude and thanks to those around us. I've been, um, I've been slightly under the weather for the past uh, four weeks, and I, genuinely, I have been blown away by people's kindness and generosity, just in, in, in really small and simple ways. It's just been a text here or a WhatsApp message there, just checking in, uh, just saying, oh, sorry to hear you've not been well, we're praying for you. Just very kind, thoughtful expressions. And I, I, I haven't necessarily responded to them all, but I have been genuinely, genuinely grateful and very touched by that. So we need to get our relationship right with God to help us better relate to others and to interact with others. Secondly, let's seize opportunities to honor, affirm, and express and uh, appreciation to others. And then lastly, um, a third way to outdo one another in showing honor is, is to take the initiative. One of the characteristics of Christian behavior is it, it, it's proactive. You know, it's not it's just passive. In other words, you know, I, I'm, I'm not supposed to just merely treat you in the same way that you treat me. So if you treat me poorly, then I'll treat you poorly in return. It doesn't. This, this Christianity luck doesn't, doesn't work like that. That's not how this thing works. As you know from the golden rule, I am to treat you the way that I would want and hope you would treat me, whether or not you treat me like that way or not is kind of a bit immaterial. So if people have never shown appreciation to you, you don't have to let that stop you from showing appreciation and esteem to them and to other people. Now, I'm not talking about fake flattery. I'm not talking about twisting or exaggerating the truth. There are plenty of situations when appreciation and esteem are truly deserved and fully appropriate. And when they are, let's just get in the habit of saying it, of, of actually expressing it. Don't let a good thing go unsaid when it can be said. Because Truth be told, so many times we just miss out on the, the life-giving power of encouraging words, mostly because we just leave them unsaid. We think it, we just never say it. We very often think about how much we appreciate someone. You know, we might even think 
very highly of them. And chances are, because we're British, we will tell other people how much we value this other person, how we feel about them and how grateful we are for them and what they did that was so marvelous. But how often do we actually tell the person? Like so many times, we just don't, we just don't do that. Again, I'm not talking about flattery, but faithfulness in obeying this command in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 10. Faithfulness to take the initiative. Faithfulness to take the lead in showing appreciation. Not, not simply to return such expressions when they're given to you, but to be the one who plants life-giving seeds for the soul through words of appreciation, gratitude, and thankfulness. All of us, we should be known as a grateful people because we know that every good gift, every good thing that we have has come from God. And, you know, you can do that just like this week. Um, maybe it's sending a text to somebody. It's, it's, it's praying about somebody. It's, it's asking the Spirit of God to highlight somebody and something that they did or something that you just have a, an encouraging word for them and then actually following through with that by sending them a text or a WhatsApp. Uh, maybe it's just thinking about the people in your small group. And maybe this week and next week and each week, you, you, know, you, you spend the week before you go to small group praying for the people in your small group, and the Spirit of God gives you encouraging words, what we kind of call prophetic words, but they're just something that's strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. You just jot it down on a bit of paper, just a little note. And it's like, oh, hey, James, just wanted to say thank you so much for giving that word on Sunday. I was so encouraged by it really appreciated your courage and your bravery in getting up and getting out of your seat and giving a word in front of everybody. That made a big difference to how I was thinking about something. I just wanted to say thank you and bless you. Just anything like that. Let's get in the habit of being people who just carry a, a, a pocket full of letters, notes, however you, you know, I don't know if you can still write and you actually you know what note is, but you know what I mean. Okay, now some of you are thinking, what about living in harmony with one another? You know, that, that bit of the sermon, I haven't forgotten, don't worry. Uh, it's not long, um, and it's a, it's, 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 um, it's a question, not a statement. If, if we as followers of Christ did everything that we could to outdo one another in showing honor to one another, how hard do you think it would be to live in harmony with one another? My, my guess is, and we could just test this out, but my guess is it wouldn't actually be very hard at all. I think dissension and disagreement and quarrel and all those things that separate us would sort of be filled up with James's analogy of the cracks with the presence of the Holy Spirit and buffed over if we became a people who were expressing honor and appreciation to one another. We have to remember um, how to live in harmony, which Paul tells us, uh, have a look at verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, you know, don't be arrogant, don't be superior, disdainful, all those sorts of things, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Uh, Paul, um, you remember we've looked at this before, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, you know, that God views us as members of a body, so we in Christ, though many, form one body and each member belongs to the others. You remember we did that whole thing on belonging to one another. And the body, when the body is in relationship and healthy, it, it, it's not competing 
It's cooperating. You know, when we as a body are healthy and not sick, we are cooperating, not competing. Every single one of us, we, we may have different functions, but our differences don't make anyone better or worse. They're not ranked. They're not, you know, you came joint 53rd in the class, and there are only 30 people in it. Uh, you know, the reason is that whatever our gift or function, each of us contributes. Every single one of us is necessary and vital. That's why, you know, when we say you're new or visiting, can we help connect you with whichever part of the body of Christ it is that God calls you to? That is genuine. You know, we're not on some strange, mad recruitment drive trying to get new people to join this church. If God has called you to this church, you need to be in this church. And just as an aside, if God has called you, you need to be in this church every week, not just like on a random occasional, you know, visit, passing through. But like, be here as members because you're part of the body, of this part of the body. And if you're new or visiting and God has called you to some other part of the body of Christ, you know, uh, St. Michael's in Southfields or St. Paul's Hammersmith or uh, HTB, I don't know, like all the other fantastic, much better churches that there are just, you know, hop, skip and a jump from here, you need to be there because you need to serve that part of the body of Christ because you're supposed to be a member there. And that part of the body will be just not functioning properly if you're not there. And this part of the body won't be functioning properly if you're not here, because you're supposed to be here. It's like, you know, my arm has fallen off. That's why you need to be here each week, you see, because I don't do well without an arm or a ear or whatever. You get my, you get my point? Does that make sense? Yeah. Nod politely. Or not, if you don't want to. Um, but we're not... We find fulfillment, you know, not in comparing ourselves with other people, but in, in, in being ourselves, being who it is that God has called us to be and, and, and using whatever talent and gifting that it is that God has given us um, as we serve him and serve the church and serve the community around us. Uh, we don't have to argue about who's the greatest or fret as to whether we're more important than someone else. You know, we're really not. Um, we're all important is the truth. And it's impossible to overestimate the impact of this perspective on ourselves, how freeing it is, and also in terms of our relationships with one another. It's incredibly liberating because as we adopt God's perspective, we're released from jealousy and envy. And, you know, it's like, oh, they're so much better at this, that, and the other than me. And it's like, no, they're just different. God's called them to have a different purpose. We can find fulfillment in being who we are rather than wanting to be like someone else. And, and so our relationships don't get distorted by status. We're neither in awe of anyone, nor do we look down on anybody. We appreciate other people for themselves without feeling like they must be either different or they must be the same as me. That'd be terrible, awful thing. It's just me. Imagine if there's more than one of me. Um, learning to take God's view of others as members with each of us in a body where cooperation, not competition, is valued, it initiates a whole new way of relating to others that's just unlike anything that the world really knows and lives. And along with all the other one and others that we've looked at, this, this is crucial for building a loving community, to see others and ourselves as God does as valuable members of a family of faith, is a, is a way of honouring one another that enables us to live in harmony with one another. 
And so um, why not start today? Why not start this morning? Before you leave today, as I said, you know, throughout the course of today, throughout the course of this week, seize opportunities to honour and affirm and express your appreciation and your thanks and your gratitude to the people around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Take the initiative. Go out of your way. Don't wait for someone to do it for you. You initiate. Go out of your way and go and find someone who's blessed you or encouraged you or supported you and express your gratitude. Just thank you. This week, just send someone a, a text or a WhatsApp or however it is that you communicate. Just let them know. Just let's be in the habit. Let's cultivate the habit of letting one another know how grateful and thankful we are for one another. Because the truth is, we are very grateful, very thankful for one another. You know, I could actually, if you were brave enough, just open up the mic and just have one after another after another coming up and just saying, even this week, this is how my brothers and sisters in Christ have encouraged me and this is why I'm so grateful to the Lord for them. If you're thinking, you know, I can't do that, it sounds so unlike me, it's so un-British, you know, maybe, maybe that's an invitation from the Spirit of God to take a step back and check whether our relationship with God is in its rightful place. Maybe our hesitance and our reluctance is an indication there's something not quite right in that foundation level of our relationship with him, and so maybe we need to go back to the foot of the cross and ask him to shine a light on anything that's not quite right so that we can, uh, first of all, get our relationship with him sorted out, and then secondly, um, get our relationship with others sorted out. And that's, that's very, very easily done. You know, if you know and love Jesus, but for, find this particular area a bit tricky, just get someone here to pray for you. Just get someone here to lay hands on you and ask the Spirit of God to come and fill you with his presence, his perspective, maybe his courage. If you're here this morning and you've never encountered Jesus, you've never encountered the presence of God, um, that's easy too. We'd love to introduce you to the one who gave his life, that you might have life and have life to the full. And this, that I'm talking about, is all part and parcel of what it means to have life to the full. Why don't you stand?